Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Hello and welcome in to the Jeff Andrea Show here on Friday, January the 31st. It's already the last day of January. Can you believe it? We are right in the heart of winter here and the temperature today is set to be 13 degrees. 13! The funny thing is that, uh, you know... It's actually dropped a couple of degrees from what it said earlier in the week. We were looking at potentially uh, a windy day here, though. So uh, although it's, uh, you know, we're going to be warm, 13 degrees, it's still going to get pretty windy with gusts up to 70 kilometers an hour set for later this afternoon and into tonight. So make sure you, uh, I guess, tie down your your furniture that's outside if you still have it out there for whatever reason because it looks like it could be potentially set to blow away. I got a good show lined up here today. Environment Canada meteorologist Doug Lundquist will join me in a little bit to talk more about this weather and what we can expect here today and into next week. So that will be coming up in about 10 minutes time. At the 35 minute mark I'll be speaking with the superintendent of the Kamloops RCMP. Sid Leckie will join me to talk a little bit about some of the budget requests that are on the table here uh, this year. Earlier this week, Kamloops City Council accepted supplemental budget items for information, and they have a number of items up for discussion from the RCMP. That includes two new municipal employees, that was being a crime analyst and an accounts clerk, so those will cost about $165,000 on an ongoing basis. Council will also consider moving ahead with the study this year to explore renovations to the Battle Street Detachment. That building has been around since 1990, and over the course of the last 30 years, the city has kind of grown, of course, and with that, so does the police force. And now they may be getting a little bit tight when it comes to working in that facility. So, like I said, they're looking at renovating the facility now, which would be a future cost somewhere in the 8 to $10 million range. Uh, this would be instead of building new, which would cost upwards of $50 million, or the other option of doing nothing, which is hard to imagine being a realistic plan. And another future budget item that will be explored is a new training facility. That item is being looked at for the 2024 and 2025 budgets and would cost around $8 million. So it may sound like a lot of money, but there are some interesting spinoff benefits that would come along with some of this work. So Superintendent Sid Leckie will join me at the 35-minute mark to go over more of those details. I did have a chance to speak with the mayor earlier in the week on this subject, talking specifically about the RCMP police budget requests. Uh, here's what Mayor Ken Christian had to say. We could spend the, the whole segment talking about the, the police and some of my issues with police funding and that, but uh, there are a couple of pretty obvious things. One is that we've added members, uniform members, to the detachment over the last few years significantly, and mm -hmm. uh, now we need to catch up by increasing the complement of municipal employees that assist those officers in doing their jobs. So that's a uh, pretty much no-brainer, uh, you know, the efficiency of having uh, municipal employees do some of the tasks that they can do and not have uniformed officers taken off the street to do those kind of tasks is, is pretty obvious. But there's some other things that are not obvious. Uh, one is, you know, the forensic lab. That lab is uh, providing services to the entire region and uh, they've outgrown it and, and we need more space. So should the citizens of Kamloops pay for that uh, facility, which is largely a regional facility, or should uh, you know there be some kind of cost sharing with the province of British Columbia in, in terms of that. So those are discussions that I'm having on an ongoing basis with the Solicitor General. And so, uh, you know, we need to keep that in mind. And, and then there is the issue of training. Uh, right now, 
uh, not only for the police, but for a number of uniformed services. Uh, we go to Chilliwack primarily for uh, training and the ability to repatriate that training here in Kamloops and, and have a training facility here makes some sense to me. So there's a, a lot of moving parts in terms of that. But remember, uh, you know, Kelowna spent $65 million on their police station there. And uh, so if you're going to spend those kinds of dollars, you best uh, study the entire needs so that you're not doing it in kind of a willy-nilly basis. So definitely some interesting thoughts and uh, a number of opinions on some of these budget items. So stay tuned for later in the program when the police will help me understand a little bit more about why these are important uh, budget items to look at and, uh, you know, of course, why they might be desirable here for the city of Kamloops. So that will be coming up, like I said, at around 9.35, so please stay tuned for that. Also on today's show, I'll be chatting a little bit about the Super Bowl this Sunday at San Francisco against Kansas City in Super Bowl 54, Super Bowl LIV, and I will be getting into some of my favorite party routines, talk a little bit about the game itself, and so that will be coming up at the end of the show. But first... Yesterday, the city of Kamloops put out the word that it is developing an electric vehicle and electric bike strategy to support the province's commitment to implementing electric vehicles. It says that the strategy will serve as a roadmap to transition the community to electricity-powered transportation. I caught up with the city's sustainability supervisor, Glenn Cheatham, to find out exactly what this EV and e-bike strategy is all about. Well, the goal of our EV and e-bike strategy is uh, ultimately to establish policies and actions that will support the adoption of electric vehicles and electric bikes in our community. Uh, as you know, you may know, in our community, uh, greenhouse gas emissions are, are associated with our transportation choices. So we're hoping that by increasing the use of vehicles that are powered by electricity, we can significantly reduce our emissions over time, which is a, an important sustainability goal in our community. So can you tell me a little bit about the strategy itself? Like how exactly is the city planning to go about encouraging people to use these sort of low emission vehicles? Well, certainly the engagement phase is really important in terms of understanding what the interests uh, are in our community, uh, as well as to sort of understand what the barriers may be for people. Uh, some examples uh, of barriers to owning an EV may be access to uh, home charging, uh, which may not be as big an issue in a single-family home, but in multifamily uh, apartments and, and condos, sometimes that is a, a fairly uh, significant barrier. Uh, so that would be one example. Um, we also want to understand, um, you know, if there's a need or interest for public charging infrastructure to support on-the-go travel within the city or as well to help those who don't have access to at-home charging to be able to uh, keep their vehicle on the go um, when they're out and about in Kamloops. Now, with all of that being said, I mean, this sounds like it could end up being a pretty extensive uh, document given that there's a lot of potentially different parts here to this when you're talking about um, electronic bikes versus electronic vehicles and the need for charging stations and how that all works. I mean, there's, there's a lot that could go into this here. Yeah, it will be a fairly comprehensive strategy. Um, it, it, it does have some uh, themes or, I guess, topic areas that will be, um, you know, help to shape the, the strategy's focus. So that really is around charging. So charging is a really key uh, piece of the puzzle when it comes to both EVs and e-bikes, but particularly with electric vehicles. Um, there's also, you know, understanding... Um, you know, where where people are at in terms of their, their 
plans and choices for for electrified transportation and you know whether they you know intend to get an electric car and if not you know what are some of the main concerns or if they are interested what are their motivators and so i think through the through this plan the idea is to help um, you know give the city uh, some sense of where we should put our efforts you know is that uh, you know looking at actions and policies to ensure all new homes uh, are EV ready or is it looking at opportunities to encourage or incentivize more EV charging in workplaces or at places of business um, and, and those kinds of um, considerations. So this first phase is really to, to find out what the community is thinking and there are in fact three surveys. One is uh, directed at uh, the general public. There's another one specifically designed for businesses and institutions like universities, hospitals, that kind of thing. And the third is uh, targeting the uh, development community, so home builders, uh, et cetera. So for those groups then, since there are three different uh, surveys that are being looked at here, I guess how, how does each group go about accessing these surveys to make sure that they are providing you with the information that uh, you know, they, they feel they need to give you? You bet. Well, there, uh, everyone can access the surveys through Let's Talk uh, Kamloops, and that's uh, available at kamloops.ca. Uh, and there's a, a tile to get to the um, to our, our uh, survey and our EV strategy page. And we'll also be doing some direct uh, marketing and targeting um, some of those uh, stakeholder groups through our various partners um, who are in, you know associated with those um, areas of interest. So that was the city's sustainability supervisor, Glenn Cheatham, talking about this new EV bike and EV, well, just electric vehicle in general strategy that will be coming up here in the city over the next little while. So you can head to letstalk.camloops.ca to uh, learn a little bit more about what's going on there and provide your two cents on this uh, EV strategy as well as look at the 2020 municipal budget and provide some feedback about what's going on there. Uh, so lots of opportunity to hit up that website and provide the city with your feedback on uh, a number of different things that are currently going on. Uh, it's important, of course, as always, like I like to say, to take part in our uh, municipal affairs here and figure out what's going on in the city and then, of course, have your say in order to uh, change what you like or don't like and, and make sure you're involved in that process. I believe it's important to be involved in your community. All right, well, with that all out of the way, it might be an okay to dust out an e-bike because it's going to be 13 degrees today. I'll be talking a little bit more about weather with Environment Canada's Doug Lundquist after this. The voice of your community, Radio NL 610 AM News Talk at RadioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas. Welcome back into the program here. It is Friday the 31st, and it's going to get, uh, well, a little bit spring-like here today, at least temperature-wise. Um, I'm going to be talking now more about this and what we're expecting here when it comes to our weather. I'm joined by Environment Canada meteorologist Doug Lundquist. Doug, how are you doing this morning? Good. How about you? I'm not doing too bad. Just getting ready for some nice warm weather here in Kamloops today. Um, yeah, so let's just start by talking a little bit about that. We're looking at a high of 13 degrees today. Uh, I mean, is this something that is, uh, you know, expected here at the end of January in Kamloops? 
Well, it's pretty warm for sure. I mean, we do get record-breaking temperatures every now and then, and this is going to push the record. The record today is 13.3. It was set back in 1953. So if we get a little more than 13 today, which is entirely likely, uh, we'll break the record. It's one of those days where we have a really warm frontal system over us. It's called the Pineapple Express on the coast, and it can result in a Kamloops Chinook. So this afternoon, we expect the winds to come around to southwest and gusty, and that's when the temperature will pop up. So, I mean, can you kind of explain why this is just sort of, it looks almost like a one-off? I mean, this is a system that seems to be coming through, um, you know, just not, not sticking around very long. It's almost a one-off day, 13 today, maybe 7 tomorrow. I don't know if that is included as part of this little warm spell, but, uh, you know, it's a pretty quick turnaround from uh, cold to, and that's not cold, but cool to, to warm, back to cool again. Well, you know, and that's the reason it's happening is because the system that's crossing us is really vigorous. There's a deep low pressure system. So it's really pumping the cold air out quickly. But again, once it moves by into Alberta, it leaves nothing in its wake but colder air to come in from the northwest from Alaska. So it's going to cool off really quickly with a strong cold front early tomorrow morning. Okay. Um, and so once we get through this, I mean, here in Kamloops, we're looking at a little bit of potential rain here this weekend and then uh, looking ahead to, you know, starting on Sunday. It looks like we're getting some pretty, uh, a little bit sunny, but things kind of go back to normal when we're looking at that, uh, you know, temperatures kind of hovering around the freezing mark. I mean, that's, uh, best, I guess, would be typical for Kamloops at this time of year, right? To sit around that zero mark and, and you know, we're looking at that for the next uh, five, six days when heading into next week. Yeah, pretty much. So we're going to hover around zero. If the sun's out, it might pop a little bit above zero. But that weather is going to continue through about mid to the latter half of next week. I did look beyond that, and there's a chance of an Arctic outbreak perhaps, but it's a long ways away, so towards the end of next week. So enjoy the really warm weather while we have it today because winter isn't quite over yet. Oh, well, it is only January, so if anyone's thinking it is, then... Uh I wish I was having whatever they're having this morning because I know it's a nice 13 <laughs> degrees here today, but that's not what I would expect here when we're looking at the middle of winter. Um, along with this... No, uh, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hopefully going to be able to take advantage of it at some point here and, and spend a little bit of time outside. But with that in mind, um, you know, it looks like it could potentially be a pretty windy day here as well. So what do we got in store when talking about those windy conditions? It sounds like uh, there's some potential for some warnings here later in the day as well. Yeah, so the, we could easily gust to 70 here in the Kamloops area of the southwest. When that cold front comes through tomorrow, it could be west to northwest and maybe briefly gust to 70 or 80. The place I'm worried about for warnings is more in the canyon and up just north of us into the Caribou Lake, so sort of towards Clinton and Williams Lake. So certainly could be wind warnings out for that because this low is really deep and the air, cold air rushing in behind it tends to make things very windy. So, yeah, watch for that over the next 24 hours, too. Yeah, we'll definitely be keeping that in mind. And, um, you know, when we're looking at some of this crazier weather, too, I mean, obviously it, it does bring some unpredictability when talking about driving conditions. And, um, you know, Coquihalla is always a concern. You never really know exactly what you're going to get when talking about the conditions out there. Um, there is some potential, or, or maybe there already is a few issues along area highways. Can you tell me kind of what is being expected uh, when looking at some of those highway conditions? Yeah, especially this morning, there might still be some cold patches out there. Like, for example, in Princeton, there's freezing rain right now on the Hope to Princeton. There could be cold air along the Coquihalla yet. It's just right around zero at Coquihalla Summit. So I'd be careful, at least for the morning. As the day goes by, it'll probably warm up enough that 
That'll scour out, and the highway will just be generally good today. Tomorrow, with that cold front, though, watch for a flash freeze and the possibility of some heavy snow when it comes through. Also today, if you're heading east to Alberta, we're forecasting heavy snow in Rogers Pass before it turns over to rain. And, of course, that means the avalanche risk is probably on the rise. Yeah, it looks like there's a bit of a snowfall warning in effect right now for that uh, Eagle Pass to Rogers Pass section. So uh, definitely something for people to be aware of. Awesome, Doug. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and talk to me. I mean, uh, you know, it's pretty crazy that we're looking at uh, potentially breaking some records here today on January 31st. Um, I, I'll be honest. I mean, this is my first winter through the having lived in Kamloops, and I was not expecting to see temperatures. I knew they'd be warmer than what I was used to from up in northern Ontario, but I wasn't expecting 13 in the middle of, or at the end of January. I can say that much. I think we'll see that here in Kelowna. I'm going for a run. I just might end up shirtless if it comes above 12 <laughs> degrees. So we'll see. Perfect. Well, again, thanks so much for taking the time, Doug. Appreciate it, and uh, enjoy your run later today. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye now. You as well. That was Environment Canada meteorologist Doug Lundquist talking about this weather. Yeah, like you had said, I mean, we're looking at potentially breaking some records here today. Uh, we're looking at a high of 13 degrees. There is a 60% of 60% chance of showers that comes along with that. And like I was saying, too, there's a potential for some pretty gusty winds here later today as well. Uh, as as Doug was saying, you know, we're looking at gusts for up, um, up to a 70 or 80K later on today. So uh, definitely something to be aware of, but uh, hopefully you can find a nice little alcove to hide out in and enjoy 13 degrees. Uh, maybe we'll even get a little bit warmer. That record, like was mentioned, 13.3 uh, degrees on January 31st, set back in 1953. So maybe we'll get up to 13.4 and just have a new warmest January 31st. Um, here in Kamloops. I'll be crossing my fingers, hoping for it. I like the warm weather. I do like the winter, too, so I don't want to see it uh, totally go the way of spring just yet. I'm not ready for that quite yet, but at the same point in time, it's nice to enjoy a nice little break of uh, warmer than normal temperatures. So take advantage if you can. Uh, I know it's Friday. Most people are working, but maybe you'll get out a little bit early for the weekend. Get yourself uh, you know, into the game here for Super Bowl Sunday. we got a couple of days to get ready for it. Uh, talking more about that at the end of the show, but coming up next, I'm going to be talking with the superintendent of the Kamloops RCMP about a number of budget items here that are up for discussion. Um, Kamloops City Council will be meeting on February 25th to talk more about the budget. The public can have their say at Sandman Center on February 20th, um, so there's uh, lots of opportunity to get your two cents in about the 2020 municipal budget, and I'll be talking about what the police are hoping to get out of it this year uh, after the break, so please stick around. Your opinion. Call or text 250-374-5345. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com. Welcome back to the show, and thanks so much for tuning in here today on Friday, January 31st, as budget season is up upon us, and Kamloops City Council looks to finalize the document here for 2020 in a little more than three weeks' time. Kamloops RCMP have a number of items that are up for discussion. Some items are looking a little more short-term, like a couple of municipal employees to be added to their um, to, to who is working out of that Battle Street detachment. Some of these items are looking a little bit longer-term when talking about renovations to that detachment, because it is getting a little bit too small for the size of the police force, and we're also potentially looking at a new training facility here in Kamloops. I had the chance to catch up with Superintendent of the Kamloops RCMP, said lucky to talk about the timing and the need for some of these items. Here is that discussion. 
Sid, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and speak to me here. I really appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your day to come on and answer a few questions about what's coming up during uh, budget discussions here. So um, the first thing I wanted to ask you about, Sid, was just the, the Battle Street detachment. I mean, it's a 30-year-old facility. You guys are sort of outgrown it over the last little while, and, uh, you know, Council will now consider moving ahead with a $750,000 study to examine kind of what renovations the facility might uh, might require. Uh, I just wanted to get your take sort of on what things look like in that detachment right now and just sort of how hard up you guys are for space well there's no question that we are uh, you know quite a bit jammed in here uh, it's a building that originally was built uh, i think to house about 100 people and uh, maybe 110 we're now at t over the 200 mark so that kind of gives you an idea of uh, of space we've moved things around we've moved buildings door sorry doors and and walls and that sort of thing but uh, we're getting to the point now where can't really move much more. So as uh, as we continue to grow and and needs and technology changes because that impacts uh, the building itself in terms of wiring and and that sort of thing as well. So lots of um, demands, but certainly the most big, the biggest pressure is just where where do you put people? People need space to work. So uh, so that's been a challenge, and uh, we brought that brought that forward to the city, and uh, the city's doing their best to try and accommodate our needs. I mean, if nothing were to be done to that building at all, I mean, how long could you continue to even operate there, or, or would it be feasible to really look beyond a couple of years? We'll do what we have to, and we'll work uh, with whatever we need to. Like if it, if it, you know, we're used to that. We're used to adapting. Uh, it's not to say that we haven't had any help at all. I mean. In the North Shore, as you know, that there a lot of uh, money and effort was put into the uh, the offices that we have on the North Shore now, and that wasn't that very long ago. So uh, there is a little bit of capacity there. Should we have more need, uh, the only challenge for us then is then it becomes a North Shore, South Shore, and and some of the services we need wouldn't ideally be located there. So uh, that said, we just work with what we have, and you know we'll continue to do that as long as we have to. And 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 if, it, if we don't have a building expansion or a new building or anything like that, then we just have to seek uh, service, uh, you know, space off-site, that's all. And there were three options basically presented in the report. There was the do-nothing option, which you just talked about, and how that could provide some difficulties moving forward. Uh, renovating, which seems like the ideal option, I guess, at around 8 to $10 million, or building new, which would probably be like, you know, 50 plus million. So, I mean, you guys are looking to, to go about renovating. I mean, it seems like a, an ideal location that you're in right now, and, um, you know, a renovating would probably be a little bit more palatable, I guess, for the public and, and for council. I'm assuming that's partially why, um, you know, you're sort of looking at the renovations as as option one right now well it's not me looking at I, my role is to, to uh, just to bring the issue forward to our, our city managers and, and uh, council um, and then they know what our pressures are because don't forget we have uh, close to 60 municipal employees working with us so it's not that they don't know what the issues are or how it's been emerging and, and over time so I don't have uh, any real say on which options they choose I just bring the issue forward, and their their role is to find us a space. Uh, we are the the police police force of service here in town. So, um, so yeah, whichever option they pick, uh, we'll certainly work with it. Certainly, I realize policing is the most expensive cost in the city, so it always has an impact when it, when you're when you're talking about tax dollars and revenues and that sort of thing. So, I tend to focus on on what we have what we have and doing the best with what we have, um, and I let them worry about the other side. One thing that looks like uh, it could be a pretty interesting and cool project moving forward was um, a, a new protected
protective services training facility. Um, you know, right now it sounds like a lot of Kamloops officers and, and TNRD officers are heading, um, you know, elsewhere to Chilliwack, I believe it was, to go get some training. Um, I mean, just what would be the advantage of having a new protective service training facility here in Kamloops? Just how significant do you think that would be for the Kamloops RCMP and, and for other police forces here in the area? Well, it, and it's not just police. It's a protective services training facility, so it's not just police. And the view uh, and vision of the director, um, Byron McCorkle, is, uh, you know, we've approached, well, they have approached, the city's approached other potential users of the facility. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I don't speak for them. I honestly don't know which ones were approached, but I'm going to assume things like uh, the sheriffs and the, uh, other correctional facilities, uh, services uh, workers, perhaps uh, DFO, uh, conservation service. So all of us need indoor facilities or outdoor facilities to work in. The problem is that you're limited the time of year if you don't have something either indoors or covered. So it really provides us an opportunity to not dependent on weather, not dependent on, you know, uh, one of the other facilities we were using, you know, at certain times of the year was a farming facility. So we, it just gives us more options and um, and better, certainly better equipment, which would probably make us uh, probably the detachment with one of the best facilities available to us anywhere in the province, to be honest, because most detachments don't have it. So yes, we do send them to Chilliwack occasionally, where our training facility is, and we continue to do that for certain types of training that can't be offered here. But uh, in terms of things regarding firearms and scenarios and that sort of thing, it would give us uh, an opportunity to keep our people uh, highly trained uh, the best we can and um, and others opportunities that they can come here from uh, whether it's surrounding det- detachments things like firearms training and qualifications that we do uh, at least annually but to have the ability to go and train outside of the annual uh, qualifications I mean there's we try to stay on top of our uh, keep our skills honed at the best of times so we're always looking for opportunities and this would give us that the police have the opportunity and others as well. Can you speak a little just to how much is kind of wasted when you're looking at sending people away to other training facilities? I know the report goes over some of the numbers, but just, you know, from from your standpoint, um, you know, as, as uh, the administrator involved, just, you know, how much time and money is kind of spent, wasted, having people travel somewhere else when if a facility was here, um, you know, it'd be not only state-of-the-art, but also, you know, keeping people local and, and being a bit of a revenue generator. I don't have exact numbers for how much time, because it depends. Annually, it changes. Uh, it depends how many people we're sending away, um, how many people will come, that sort of thing. But um, we do have uh, any time spent away is time they're not boots on the ground here. So how do you quantify that in terms of value to our community? I can only tell you it's a lot of value because just to drive to Chilliwack and back, I mean, you know, that's going to eat up uh, an eight-hour day. Mm-hmm. So if you if you multiply that by 136 members just for the municipal uh, detachment, um, the numbers start to add up on an annual basis of how much time spent just on the commute. Right. Um, and then, then you have to have to consider the compensation that comes with the actual time spent at the facility. One of the things we have the luxury of here, if, that facility, if it's built where it is and partnered uh, in, you know, adjacent to the KFR training facility itself, you know, there's uh, benefits to having uh, like classrooms already are already established so we can actually host some of the training in class classroom training and the other uh, practical aspects of it uh, close by so there's a lot of benefit there i think
Very cool. And yeah, that's a project kind of looking a little bit further down the road, but just uh, something that does seem interesting and is going to be discussed here by council in the near future. Um, lastly, while I have you here too, I know there's uh, two new municipal employees that are uh, looking to be added to the, I believe, I guess they'd be located at the Battle Street detachment. And I'm sure these will be approved given the necessity of them in order to have that ideal employee to officer ratio um, just wondering about the two positions themselves an, an accounts clerk seems pretty straightforward but uh, a crime analyst is a bit of an interesting title just what exactly would the role of a crime analyst be and, and how would that help your operation well just like it sounds policing in the modern world really needs to be uh, strategically focused so we do try to target our resources in an, an effective way as possible so Part of that is uh, identifying our our targets, target areas, hot spots. For example, where are cars being broken into most frequently? Where can we do extra patrols? Where can we, um, uh, you know, set up uh, whether it's surveillance or, uh, or that sort of thing? So, and also profiles on some of our high risk clients and the people that we're trying to track down. So there's, um, it's a very neat, I think that's a very neat job. And, um, you know, so we, we uh, an additional crime analyst, uh, as things have evolved, um, the digital world, technology, it's become a far more challenging uh, far more interesting work, but it's also more challenging in the work that we do in terms of um, dealing with the technology that we have to use, but also the technology we have to decipher through, whether it's computers, cell phones, whatever it is, it, uh, it takes a lot more work and effort. And having a crime analyst to help us strategically focus our efforts and set our priorities and that sort of thing just makes us a more effective policing uh, organization. And that is the, the, the trend elsewhere as well. And uh, I think you'll also find that credit that a lot with uh, why we've been able to keep a lid on on uh, some of the crime that would otherwise have happened. You know, and certain things are actually trending downwards. So it's a critical piece of uh, the policing apparatus in the, in the modern age. So hopefully this will get us through for a period of time. But anything we can get in that department is uh, highly valued and, and they're all respected uh, in what they do. Yeah, it does seem like a pretty cool job. Um, just one last question here for you, Said Those two additional um, municipal employees would bring the uh, ratio to, I believe it's one uh, municipal employee for every 2.46 officers. I mean, I'm just curious because that seems, uh, from the report that I read, that's like the ideal ratio. Do you have any idea sort of why that number seems to be uh, such an ideal figure and, and where that kind of came from? I think it's when compared to other similar sized uh, or other organizations, we were uh, a little bit behind and I think this is just helping to catch us up yeah. to where we need to be. Nothing specific there. You know, every region has its own challenges and own pressures and depending on the nature of the work it determines how many support services you're going to need as well, right? And like I said, you can always use more and do more with more, uh, but I, realizing that that's all it all costs money so we we try to do the best with what we have and and uh the cities recognize that our challenges and pressures and they've stepped up uh more often than not to give us uh, the support we need to get the job done right on well superintendent thank you so much for taking the time anything else that you want to add while i have you here on the phone i do actually i don't know if you know this but february 1st is the uh, bc rcmp appreciation day and there was a proclamation made by the province so i just thought i'd mention that that uh, i don't know if you knew that but it'd be good for your listeners to realize that celebrating 100 years of the rcmp i would anticipate you'll hear a little bit more on the topic but uh, it's 100 years so we are 
the, I think the oldest uh, police force in the, in the North America when you consider our days back with the Northwest Mounted Police. So it's a title that we hold and, um, and embrace and we're very proud to be uh, here in Kamloops serving people of Kamloops. But it's also a time to reflect and remember that there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of our members, and uh, not just from our organization, but prior to the RCMP being in Kamloops, police forces and members who have given their lives in, in the protection of the citizens of Kamloops. So just always want to remember, remember them. Thank you so much for your time, Superintendent. I really right. appreciate it, and uh, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. You take care. That was the superintendent of the Kamloops RCMP, Sid Leckie. So, council will consider $165,000 on an ongoing basis for those two new municipal employee positions, those being the crime analyst and a police accounts clerk. Council will also discuss that $750,000 this year to complete a study to see what renovations of the Battle Street detachment would look like. Those rentals would cost in the neighborhood of $8 million, but that information would all be part of that study. And then the long-term goal, of course, of building a new training facility that's looking at at, uh, you know, four to five years down the road for such a facility, which would also cost somewhere in the $8 million range. As Superintendent Leckie said earlier, the training facility could have a big impact on costs, you know, keeping officers in the city to train here, not having to spend hours on the road traveling to Chilliwack. Plus, it could also bring in those from other nearby areas to come here for some training, which, of course, would result in some money gained as well. So a lot to discuss. Some big initiatives could be soon underway. Uh, the public, of course, can ask questions about this or anything else budget-related on Thursday. February 20th at Sandman Center before the 2020 budget goes before council again on Tuesday the 25th for one last look. Coming up next, it's Super Bowl Sunday in just a couple of days. I'll be joined by Kurt Appleby here in studio to talk more about the big game after this. You're listening to Jeff Andreas on Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. It is Friday the 31st, and we are now just two days away from Super Bowl Sunday. So, yep, just a couple of days to get ready for the big game. Yeah, Super Bowl 54, Super Bowl LIV. It's the San Francisco 49ers against the Kansas City Chiefs. Pat Mahomes against the handsome one, Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm joined in studio now by Kurt Appleby to talk a little bit about what's coming up here on Sunday. Kurt, how you doing, buddy? I thought you were talking about me, the handsome one. <laughs> you wish. You wish that G was the case. GQ Jimmy you were talking about, eh? Yeah, Jimmy Handsome, as I like to call him, you know? <laughs> I, uh, I bet you do. I wish I could have his life. I'll say that right now. <laughs> we all do, yeah. Uh, so... Super Bowl. Oh. I mean, uh, pretty excited, obviously. It's uh, what we've been waiting for all NFL season. Yeah. It's a, sad, a little bit sad for me because I love football so much, so it's a little disappointing that the season comes to an end. But, but is mean, there one league that does a better job of maximizing their content throughout the year? Like, you've got the rookies, you've got the drafts, you've got free agents, you've got everything. It just sort of spaces out. It seems like NFL does a very good job of keeping themselves in the conversation at, for least, sure. at least a month out of every year. Yeah, for, for a league that only plays five months of the year, they yeah. are always being discussed for one reason or another. So they have, they have set it up pretty well. Um, yeah, and the Super Bowl going in February just to get a little February love as well, right? Yeah. Right before the draft in March and so on and so forth, mini camps, all that stuff. So, yeah. CFL can learn from that, by the way. <laughs> it's the only professional league in the world that shuts down. Hey, there was a, a big signing today as well, I believe, uh, in uh, Edmonton today. SPs? Yeah, yeah, that's another thing that pisses me off, actually, is that I get these notifications on my phone for what the Alouettes are doing, for what the 
what the Eskimos are doing. I don't give a damn. I don't think anybody does outside of those towns. And even in well, the major- CFL fans want to know what's happening in the marketplace and who's going where and who's playing for what teams. I mean, nobody cares in in BC what the Alouettes have done. Well, then stop uh, subscribing to those Alouette updates. That's, well, then, that's then on I you. Miss, then I miss the, the rest of the updates. All right, let's not, enough about the CFL. We don't have a ton of time left in the show <laughs> here, so let's get to the Super Bowl. I mean, um, big party guy. Are you, a, are you a Super Bowl party guy? That's like my favorite part of the whole event is going to the party. Yeah, it, uh, I wouldn't disagree with that. I, I'm not, I don't know if I'm such a bar fan. Like you're putting in a lengthy shift yeah. when you go to the bar to to watch the Super Bowl. So uh, I know a good group of buddies of mine hosts a, hosts a Super Bowl party every year, and it's stocked with with all the gambling and all the food you need. Yeah, in my opinion, there are four types of people that sort of go to these uh, football parties. You know, there's the people who actually go to watch football. There's people who go just to watch the commercials. There's people who go just to watch the halftime show and the national anthem or whatever. And then there's just the non-football watcher that uh, I probably have the most respect for of the people who don't go to watch football. And that's the people who just show up to stuff their face and eat a whole bunch of food. Because that's what uh, that's one of the best parts about Super Bowl Sunday is way too much food. And isn't it great that uh, you have this vehicle that is the Super Bowl, that is the NFL, and it brings people together. And I know there's you, you sometimes you get those people, oh, what's happening here? What's happening there? They want to know everything about that's going on the game. and. And sure, yeah, indulge them a little bit because if it brings them into next year, then that's what you want to do is you want to bring in more fans, and that's the idea of it all. Oh, that is not how it works, though. It's always just someone what? who actually doesn't care who's asking, like, so, like, what's happening in this play, right? And then you, then you explain it to them, and they have absolutely no idea what you were just talking about, and now you miss the next three plays because of it. Just don't indulge them. It's not worth your time. I, I don't mind with football because you've, you've got those breaks, but when you're doing it with a hockey game, and like for when the Canucks went on their Stanley Cup run, and I was watching the game with people who knew nothing about hockey, and that that became super annoying after a while. But because the game's so continuous, it's not the same for the NFL. All right, well we got uh, just over a minute left here in the show, so I wanted to get to a few prop bets. We did this for the Grey Cup, so I thought I'd go up head to head against you here in the Super Bowl. I lost our Grey Cup bet, yeah. uh, so hopefully I can redeem myself here uh, with some NFL content. So we got about six or seven questions here. We'll just fire them off real quick. No thinking, just uh, shoot me your answer when you got one. Okay, tails. All right, Tails is the uh, result of the coin toss. Kurt, you're down for Tails. Uh, will Demi Lovato complete the national anthem in less than two minutes? No. Okay, no. All right. Um, how will the first points be scored? Touchdown or other? Other. All right. And will the score ever be tied 0-0? Zero, zero, um, no, sorry. Yes, it will. will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark will me down score, yes for that. Will the score ever be tied except for 0-0? Zero, zero? E- no. All right, we got uh, three left. How many players will attempt to pass? Two or more? Oh, damn it, Jeff. You give me no time to think about this Yeah, stuff. that's the point. We have 40 seconds. Hurry no, up. No. So uh, just the quarterbacks will attempt passes. Okay, will Jimmy Garoppolo attempt at least 29 and a half passes? He only had eight pass attempts in the NFC Championship game. Uh, no. Okay, we got a no. And then, of course, the most important question, who do you got? Who's going to win? Casey. All right, you got the Chiefs. I took the Niners. That's who I wanted anyway, so it all worked out. Thanks so much for coming in, Kurt. I'll uh, review this on Monday, and hopefully I get a big W this time around. (laughs) Hopefully Hopefully, fingers crossed. (laughs) All right, guys, well, that about wraps things up for me here today. I'd like to thank all my guests for joining me, and, of course, a big thank you to all of you for listening. And remember, whether you join me for a short while or a long while, just know I enjoyed our time while it lasted. Have yourself a great weekend. Enjoy Super Bowl Sunday, and we'll be back here on Monday at 9.